The Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From Brewsted Same Game Parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by SGPN's Big Game Bingo. $57 SGPN gift card for every bingo hit. We're also brought to you by SGPN's 57 Bets Challenge. $570 cash and a $570 gift card to the winner of the props contest. Get all our contest info exclusively on the SGPN app. Welcome to the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pelletier. Joining me, as always, Matt, the number one Sal Canella, Kyle <laughs> Sloter fan, having a fair, loving Morse, and Justin. Are we sure he's not Brian Scott Mark? <laughs> I was wondering what nicknames you were going to give us, but I'm, I'm a fan of those. I was going to make a comment about this being an Arlington Renegades fan pod now, uh, given what we stumbled on yesterday when we all at the same time were like, man, that roster's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I'm not Brian Scott. I mean, we do kind of share the same beard color, but um, I cannot throw the ball at all. So there's You're that. better looking, though. So. I mean, oh, the, Vipers, the Vipers probably think equally of you and Brian Scott. Then, you know, <laughs> right. like, so. Maybe Apparently. I can get a tryout. <laughs> Apparently. So, you know, guys, we dove deep yesterday. We hit it deep with quarterback, running back, wide receiver. We brushed on tight end. And tight end is such an important position in the spring because if you don't get Canella, you're shit out of luck. <laughs> you know, I mean, just looking at it like – we started talking about this, you know, and just, is there anybody that we're looking at that we think is worth rostering other than Sal Canella right now? I mean, before we jump into that, should we discuss why Sal Canella is number one? And like, if, if, if folks don't already yeah, we realize should discuss that, why Sal we Canella should discuss, right? I mean, I don't want to just have everybody take our word for it. Um, I mean, going into the USFL last year, I don't know that he was the consensus number one tight end going in. Um, I heard a lot more Bug Howard talk, but maybe that's just because I talked to Justin far too often. But uh, <laughs> he he did have more yards than Canella. I didn't realize that. We, we talked about that prior to the show. But, I mean, uh, I think the big thing with Canella is, yeah, he was the all-USFL tight end last season um, with, with good numbers. Uh, he broke wood. Adam and I were talking about this. I think he's stuck in our brains because he had a great playoff performance and broke the single game USFL receiving record, I believe with 120 yards uh, or more. So um, he's clearly capable of putting on that kind of performance. And I'm not, I mean, we're going to talk about it here, so I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, we don't know how many uh, other titans in the league 12 are. for 154, actually. Holy crap. Okay. So that's why he's ingrained into our brain. That is quite the performance. Um and I think the other big thing is he's the only guy coming in that's going to have the kind of familiarity with his quarterback that he's going to have with Slaughter. 
that I think everybody's jumping on this wagon because we just saw those two put together uh, 10 solid games. And now they just get to pick up right where they left off, but this time wearing Arlington Renegade uniforms. And given what we discovered yesterday, the rest of their uh, supporting cast is also pretty good. So um, it's going to be hard to put, I mean, it's going to be hard for defenses to focus solely on Canela, it seems. Um, so I mean, that's what I've got on Canelo. I know what do you guys think. It, it, he is the number one, right? There's no question at this point. Anything else you guys like to add? Um, I know I'm the Canelo fan, the number one fan here. So I don't, but I don't want to take it all up. I don't, I don't want to have all the fun. <laughs> no, I just think the familiarity with Slaughter is huge because it's somebody he already trusts. So if plays breaking down, that's the way he's going to look. He's going to look to Sal right. Canelo because that's exactly what he did for the Breakers, especially in that playoff game. I mean. Adam, you and I were there, and it was a thing mm-hmm. where he was under pressure, and he just kept throwing it to Canella. It was the guy he just kept relying on, and I think that's just going to translate right over into the XFL, especially early on when these offenses have not been together a lot yet. The defense is normally ahead of the offense, so there's going to be rushed yeah. plays, and when he does rush the play, he's going to be looking Canella's way. I, I mean, and it's just it's that familiarity, and it's just, you know, Canella stood out in a among Johnny Adams and Johnny Dixon last year. And he really just did work. And there's always one breakout tight end. Like we were talking about it before the show in the AAF. It was very clear that Nick Truesdale was the differentiator. Nick Truesdale was a beast. He was catching balls out there for Salt Lake city. And then in the XFL, of course, there was Donald Parham, all six foot eight of them, who was the second best, who was second in the league among pass catchers and fantasy points, you know, he was third in yards and he was second in touchdowns. He was an absolute monster through five games and he had more yardage than the next two guys combined. Yeah. It's pretty at the tight end position. It's insane. I mean, there's a reason he's going to be, as it looks at this point there, the rumors are Gerald Everett's getting the ax. So Adam finally gets to really ride this Donald Parham fan train into this year he's likely the number one tight end on the chargers catching passes from justin herbert just wait for keelan cole to land in buffalo <laughs> and i'm just gonna have You're... one hell of an insufferable season between <sighs> donald parham and keelan cole but stop talking about the nfl morse no one wants to hear about the no fun league right now <laughs> we're here to talk about the extreme yeah fun we want to talk about the xfl where they don't drug test their players thank god josh gordon's gonna play <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh Morris, bad but, news you missed out on sal canella in that draft bud did somebody just snag him yeah i'm thinking oh, diamonds about ouch. to pick him oh uh, so for reference right. this is a league morse and i have been in that's now on its fourth iteration of spring leagues it was the AAF, know. the XFL 2, the USFL, and now the XFL 3. We are like so, the founding fathers of all fantasy sports at this point. I'm so proud. Excuse you. Brian is the founding father. We're like the reform. No, isn't he like God? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brian is God, and we are the founding fathers. That'll get behind. That feels appropriate. Yeah. Right. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. AKA win bets, build your own bet. The big game is here and win bet has you covered great promos. Odds payouts are happening right now at win bet ready to play. Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100 limited to state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. 
There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in state where winbet, where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Too much, too much shenanigans, but... I mean, and just this idea that it's really hard for a tight end to establish themselves because good tight ends are hard to find and decent ones are buried on NFL rosters, you know, but as we look through the XFL, just like looking at a guy like Jordan Thomas in St. Louis, he's a guy I'm going to keep my eye on in the later rounds. He's currently projected as our second best tight end and his projections are probably a little low because of how we're looking at that St. Louis offense and how we're thinking about it. All right, but even but for AJ McCarron, a big bodied, a six foot five receiver is going to be a really nice addition for him and someone he can look to when they're in trouble and in the red zone. Really, for a tight end, you're looking for a guy who's going to score a touchdown every other game and get two, three other targets, and you're going to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with almost any fantasy football. You have your top guy or two, and the rest you're just hoping that they can get you those touchdowns. And so definitely grabbing a guy that's a six foot five target, going to be a monster in the red zone and hard to cover, is a good move if you miss out on somebody like Canella. So what do we think about, uh, we talked about this, I think, prior to uh, the show starting. So this, Justin informed us prior to the show yesterday that Cody Latimer was moved from wide receiver to tight end for Orlando. Um, he's kind of on my radar as, I mean, I don't know if I would call him a sleeper at this point, but kind of like a plan B, uh, as it sounds like I'm going to have to come up with in the league with Adam, because it looks like Canelo is going to be gone before I come back on the clock. Canelo uh-huh. is gone. Canelo, uh, he is gone. Yeah. Sad face. Um, <laughs> I mean, he should have been drafted that high. That was that was intelligent. I mean, I had one one. I was in, I was in bad shape. But what I mean, um, Latimer's interesting to me um, just because, you know, he's clearly made I, I can't remember how many years he played in the NFL, but I know he was on Denver for about four years. And then I think he had a cup of coffee with the Giants. Um, and he's he's not he wasn't like a superstar or all pro or pro bowler by any means, but clearly was capable of producing at the, the NFL level. And clearly they saw something to convert them to the tight end. So I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I know we have some questions about the Orlando quarterback position, which is always something you got to think of uh, when we're trying to determine the value of a pass catcher, right? Like, are we going to, is this, I know Adam alluded to, is this going to be Michigan Panthers 2.0 here? I mean, we've got three quarterbacks. We don't know who's going to start what game. Um, we don't know if this is going to be another Paxton Lynch disaster, but um, I mean, what do you guys think of Cody Latimer? I mean, he's kind of on my radar as again, like I said, like a plan B fallback option. Um, I don't know. I don't know if folks even know at this point that he's going to be a tight end for, for, uh, for Orlando, unless they're being, they're smart and listening to our podcast. Um, so, I mean, what do you guys think? He's kind of on my radar as, I mean, that, that like Adams mentioned that, this is this position's kind of a dart throw at this point. What do you think? Is he worth throwing a dart at? He's my number two um, after Great. Sal Canella. Obviously, I'm not going to target him as high as Sal Canella, but he's a guy that, like you said, the NFL caliber, he's quick, so the linebackers can't really keep up with him. He's big, so the safeties are going to struggle with him. If they can carve out a good role at tight end for him, 
Um, you know, we already mentioned Bug Howard. That's a guy that played receiver in college, converted to that tight end position college, and was yeah. a problem in uh, the USFL. So I could see Cody Latimer. I know he's a little bit older, but could be a problem in the XFL for those defenders to uh, keep up with. Yeah, I almost wonder if they envision him as kind of like, uh, you know, we've got, I don't know, I just not to bring up more NFL, Adam, sorry, don't, don't throw a stone at me. But I think of like Mike, Mike Gusecki, <laughs> who's a tight end on paper, but like more often he's not really in line, right? Like he's kind of flexed out in that slot position. So I almost wonder if uh, maybe Orlando envisions something like that for Latimer, in which case I'd be extra intrigued because, um, you know, you know what they do with slot receivers. I mean, they may not be the explosive players, but they're going to get volume generally, right? Like they're the chain movers, they're the safety valve. So um, I definitely have some interest there. Um and then, yeah, St. Louis was was another place I was looking because I, I figured whatever tight end was playing with A.J. McCarron was going to be intriguing to me. Um, so th- that was kind of the top three that rounded out for me was Canelo, Latimer, and Thomas. Um, and, but and if, if I gonna... missed – go ahead. Oh, I was just say, if I miss on Canella and Latimer for me, I'm going to wait till a late round and take a shot on Elise Mack um, for the Brahmas. I'm probably higher on him than most people, but – Notre Dame has known to produce good tight ends. He didn't even have that big of a stat line at in college, but was still coveted by the mm-hmm. NFL, bounced around squads. Um, I think he could kind of come over into this XFL league and show that, like, hey, I know I didn't stick around, but I'm still a talented player, big guy, and use that kind of knowledge that he gained at Notre Dame, which is known to produce some good tight ends and uh, perform fairly so. well. Yeah. So yeah. I have a fun one for you guys. Uh, what do we think of, and I'm, you, you might laugh a little when I say this, but what do we envision for Garrett Owen, Garrett, Garrett Owen, sorry, in Houston? I know they don't run a traditional tight end. So no, he's kind you're, of you're not going to, you can't, you can't take a shot on that just because they don't run a tight end. He's technically a fullback right. in their offense. And I just don't see him getting a ton of work. I, I mean, a guy I'd be more interested in is Briley Moore McKinney, just because he's got, you know, Jordan Tawamu liked the, liked his big receivers in St. Louis in the XFL too. And I think Derek King will be similar. They'll be looking for a big guy over the middle, Riley Moore McKinney, 6'4", not huge, but bigger than the guys who are going to be covering him. So you're not interested in a Taysom Hill light in the XFL is what I'm hearing and taking a shot at a big week with Gary. I'm not saying I'm interested. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were. Taysom Hill will run the ball as a quarterback. I don't think Garrett Owens will do that. True. He did play a lot you of running back in college. You talk me into Eric Dungy in this role. But Eric Dungy currently has tight end. Listen. No tight end eligibility. Nobody's off limits here. We just explained to everybody how vacant uh, in talent this position is or potential <laughs> production. I, I mean, just wrapping up tight end, you, you know, there are some guys I might be interested in, like Jamal Pettigrew. You know, he had, he had some work in past one, in past leagues as you know, Cam Sutton, Jake Sutherland was starting to emerge last time around for the guardians. He was doing some work, you know, but it's, it's tricky. You don't know what these offenses are going to look like. You're looking for who's going to be checking down. And with a lot of receivers that are balanced, you know, you're going to see those guys winning across the board more than likely. Yeah. Now, I would have, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Justin. I was going to say I would monitor week one very closely and after week one um, work the waivers and tight end is probably going to be the position that you have the most turnover because none of us really know what it's going to look like yet at the tight end position. Or you could just go, you could just try to go snag a couple early in your draft, leave your draft with two on different teams or two on the same team 
and yeah. just try to commit to that. To see what sticks. Yeah. Um, are we going to have any, do you know, is there any dual eligibility uh, on alt for any of these leagues? I'm just curious. Uh, uh, and I, only I mean, it happens sometimes. We'll cr- they'll cross position, they'll cross qualify players, but you know, not just. Does often. it ever happen mid season? Mm, sometimes. Oh, okay. Well, I only asked because um, I, you know, I brought him up a few times, at least on the previous pod, but Jalen Smith in, uh, in St. Louis as well was another converted wide receiver that was originally listed as a tight end and is apparently back listed on the wide receiver depth chart. I just figured that was potentially worth monitoring if, you know, week one he comes out and he, oh, actually he's playing tight end and he's playing in line. Um, and if he gets tight end eligibility, that's somebody who I would have interest in uh, for a lot of the same reasons that I was interested in Cody Latimer, right? Wide receiver ability, uh, but from the tight end position can be a real matchup nightmare. And if I'm getting potentially a flex worthy, you know, slot receiver tight end hybrid in an AJ McCarron led offense, then that's something I would also have some interest in. So he's actually somebody I'm keeping an eye on as far as like late round flyers go. He might be kind of like my backup, like you were saying, leaving a draft of two tight ends. He might be one. Not that he's officially listed as a tight end right now, but he might just be like my ace in the hole kind of thing. Um, Kind of another backup plan that I just think should be on everyone's radar. And everybody remember that that's in Matt's leagues. Um, so you can snipe him right before. I know. I really got to stop talking about what I like on these podcasts. I, I, I now don't have Sal Canella because of, no, I'm just kidding. He's, <laughs> he probably would have gone anyway. But And also make sure to sign up on the SGPN app and get your own big game bingo card for all of your favorite big game prop bets. If you get bingo, you'll win a $57 SGPN gift card. Only catch is you must be subscribed to the Sports Gambling Podcast and NFL Gambling Podcast on YouTube to win. In honor of the big game, SGPN is also hosting a prop bet contest. Make your picks for 57 different prop bets. Winner will get $570 cash and a $570 gift card to the SGPN store. All our contests are free to play and exclusively on the SGPN app. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about tight ends. We've talked about wide receivers, running backs. I mean, we got to talk about these defenses. And I think the problem for both, for all of us, we kind of were in agreement was we haven't looked at defenses much because we've been so we've been so busy trying to kind of right. figure it out. I, I mean, and just who do y'all want to start with looking at? Let's just kind of look at these with everybody as we're going. No, I think that's a great idea. I mean, we'll discover along with everybody. Justin, if you would like to start, you're welcome to. All right. Well, I'll start with my top defense, and that's the Battle Hawks. Um, I think they got a lot of good pieces with Lakel London, Freedom Akmaladen, Shakir Soto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at linebacker, they got two Iowa State guys that played at Iowa State together, Willie Harvey and Mike Rose, and ran a a decent defense there. I think they're going to, they know each other's cues. They're going to be able to play off of that. And then guys like Ben DeLuca and Quentin Meeks in the defensive backfield, uh, they're kind of my top defense that I'm targeting. So if I think it's about time for defenses to start going, that's who I'm taking. I mean, and looking at the coaching staff, you know, Donnie Abrams was on that 2019 Orlando Apollo squad as the defensive backs coach. That was a really good team. And now he's the defensive coordinator there in St. Louis. You know, that was a secondary that forced turnovers, did a really good job of taking front end pressure and converting it into back end turnovers and chaos. I mean, and that's something you love to see is a guy who's coached at this level and understands what it takes to do well there. 
for sure. Yeah, I'm, per- I'm particularly intrigued uh, because we are a Renegades fan pod. Um, I'm particularly <laughs> intrigued with the Arlington Renegades defense. Um, I mean, they're being led by a defensive-minded, great head coach in Bob Stoops, right? Like that in and of, of itself should give us some should give us some hint that this might be a very defensive-oriented team, that they're going to know what they're doing and perform well off of that. Um, but unless I miss something, it's on the defensive side of the ball. They're being led by um, the USFL's leading tackler from 2022, Donald Payne. Um, that's pretty significant, right? I mean, he just showed an ability to um, not only just play well on the defensive side of the ball in a spring league in recent memory, uh, but lead the entire league in tackles. And now he's leading what we realized yesterday is probably the most talented roster uh, in the XFL. So I know Adam was interested in discussing, um, you know, the types of teams that we might want to stream against fantasy wise or not stream against. And I think right off the rip until I get to see how these teams actually perform on the field, I probably going to, if I'm streaming a position, I'm going to avoid the renegades to start. Uh, Cause I think they might be one of the stronger defenses being led by, you know, the USFL's leading tackler last year and a great defensive mind that in and of itself makes me think they have a great foundation. I mean, but is Bob Stoops really like a defensive mastermind? Like when was the last might not time be a Bob... mastermind, but he's a, he's a, he's a coach that has had success and is defense first. So maybe I overstated his. The last time he was a full-time head coach was 2016 at Oklahoma. In 2016, Oklahoma, you know, he hasn't multiple games over 40 points. You know, he was winning shootouts. They tightened up down the stretch. But he's not like a team that I'm super excited for where it's like, oh, Bob Stoops is leading that defense. You know, and and really better than Anthony Becht. (laughs) <laughs> but the big thing with me is, is who's leading the uh, who's leading the charge below the head coach. And for me, the underrated part of this is Tim Lewis. Tim Lewis is a spring football veteran. Tim Lewis was the defensive coordinators of the Houston Gamblers. He was the defensive backs coach for the Seattle for the St. Louis Battlehawks in 2020. And in 2019, he was the head coach of the Birmingham Iron, who only gave up 133 points through eight weeks. That Birmingham that. Iron defense was absolutely stifling. Yes, it was. And Tim Lewis couldn't coach an offense down a field against a Pee-Wee football team, but damn, was that defense mean and did it come to play every week? I mean the best scoring defense they were they got pressure they got and they just made it work i mean it was great to see so when i'm thinking about this i'm and i look at it tim lewis makes that defense for me and that's what really has me interested in the in not the iron in the (laughs) renegades defense and I like their defensive backfield a lot with Devonta Bosby, um, Will Hill, former NFL guy that got in some drug troubles, uh, and Cravon LeBlanc, who held his own in the NFL for a while too. So, I mean, they got a lot of experienced guys that could end up shutting these receivers down. Yeah, and I think, you know, but again, going back to why are we looking at St. Louis, you know, Donnie Abram on that that Apollos team was number one – was second 
in the AAF with 11 interceptions. You know, they got sacks, 19 sacks, and they were second in points a lot in points against behind the iron. So I think you've got a pair of teams at the top there where if you're playing St. Louis or the Renegades, you're kind of worried and you're wondering who are we sitting? Yeah, for sure. I think I think I, I agree with that a thousand percent. Um I mean, as far as with Bob Stoops, I mean, that's fine. You basically told me I was wrong and then supported my position with different statistics. So I'll (laughs) take that every day. Correct evidence. (laughs) There are a lot of of how you get there. there. I don't care how the sausage is made. (laughs) You just care that that defense is going to be good. God, the more we look at the Renegades, the more this league just looks like it was set up for the Arlington Renegades to run away with everything. I'm actually surprised. I mean, unless uh, the betting lines have changed since I looked, I'm actually surprised they're not near the top. Um, I mean, I've seen some power rankings floating around from different sources that had the renegades near the top, but most of the time when I'm looking at betting lines, it's usually battle Hawks. Um, battle Hawks are one and sea dragons are two. I believe it's usually one of those two I find that very interesting. Um, but I while mean, we're still on the, no, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no I was I mean, just, I was going to keep the defensive line rolling. Um, I don't know what I want to make of, because I, I think I mentioned this yesterday when, um, after the initial draft and the rosters, you know, kind of came into their kind of came into shape initially. I remember being intrigued by the Vipers in general. Obviously this was when they were the Brian Scott led Vipers, which are now the Brett Hunley led Vipers, but on the defensive side of the ball, they have arguably the best defensive player that, I mean, at least the one with the most, um, I mean, the most success in the past in the league. I mean, Vic Beasley, yeah, he's a little long in the tooth, and I don't know if he's quite 30 yet. But, um, I mean, do we have another edge rusher in the league of his caliber? Um, uh, I mean, say what you want about Rod Woodson, but also a defensive great leading this team. I don't know what you make, Adam. I'll I'll leave his coaching abilities to you. You seem to be the expert here. Uh, But I'm thinking, again, defensive-minded head coach and arguably what could be one of the better defensive players in the league on the Vipers. I mean, um, are they going to wreak havoc on opposing quarterbacks? Is is that going to affect their their fantasy production? What do you guys think? Either one of you is fine. Um, I'll jump in and just say I think – Rod Woodson will have that defensive backfield ready to show up and play. I mean, he was obviously a great player. Doesn't always translate to great coaching, but I think at the very right. least he'll coach his position that he played great. So I think this defensive backfield is going to be ready to go. Um, and yeah, Vic Beasley, you got to imagine he's playing with a chip on his shoulder after Good. being the eighth pick in the draft. And now you're in the XFL, right? Right. That's, that's got to count. It's quite the something. fall from grace. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and for Johnny Manziel, he'd be the highest pick to ever be in the, uh, that's a very fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or no, what pick was Johnny? Johnny. Oh no, wait, Vic Beasley was drafted higher because Johnny was like pick 15 in the draft that he was was taking. Wasn't he? That's going to be the third overall. Yeah. No, (laughs) Trent Richardson takes that kick. Trent Richardson and Trent Richardson dominated. I, I mean, Vic Beasley's a guy. 2016 Atlanta, 15 and a oh, half sacks, five, five, eight. He was a I think guy he led the league in sacks that year. Uh, yeah, he yeah. did. He led the league in that, forced fumbles. You know, he's a great edge rush. He was a good edge rusher. He just he got off to a play. slow start, if I remember correctly. But once he hit his stride, he, he literally turned into a league-leading edge rusher. Right. And, played, and he was a Super Bowl that year. <laughs> 2017 and 2018 and only had five sacks each of those years. But that's a sack every other game. 
you know, if he can regain form, it's clear injuries limited him. If he's yep. back in there, you know, that could be big for them. Do you, you know, know why he ended up out of the NFL? Was it just simply injury concerns? Did he I get any off the field stuff or anything? I think it's just injuries. You yeah. Know? Now, if you ask CJ Sullivan of the XFL Gambling Pod, he will tell you that there's apparently people out there that grade sacks in terms of luck. And Vic Beasley was one of the highest on the most luckiest sacks. I don't even know what that means or who has time to sit around and go, nope, that one was luck. But um, I mean, maybe, it maybe happens, that had something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you lead the league in sacks and it's complete luck. But um, <laughs> right. I mean, there are sacks. I mean, not every sack is created equal. I mean, we all saw Michael Strahan break the sack record. I'm pretty sure Brett Favre fell over for him for, to get two hand touched. But. Uh, I'm wondering if that's what they mean. Is it just like sacks that they just kind of like fall into or they didn't really generate pressure or something? I find that really interesting. Um, yeah, it could, yeah well be. could be, but I'm definitely intrigued by the uh, Vipers defense. Um, they're probably, you know, once we talk, once we get past the Renegades and Battlehawks, they're probably the next one that if I had the opportunity, I may avoid, particularly for my pass catchers, especially like Justin said, if, Rod Woodson coaching up that secondary. Um, they might be they might be one of the better units on that team. I, I mean, um, it might be best to look elsewhere. You have Chris Dishman, Dishman, who was also a defensive backs coach throughout his year, and more importantly, last year, defensive coordinators for the um, New Jersey Generals, who only allowed a average less than twenty points a game against, you know, top three in yards against throughout the entire. USFL season, you know, he he's a good defensive coordinator. He can bring the team's going to come. They're going to play. They're going to be ready. And with that combination of defensive coaches, the Vipers could be frisky. Look for the Vipers to maybe force some turnovers there. Also, and not that, to bounce back to the Renegades, but I forgot to mention they have the best punter in the XFL, Marquette King. Um, anyways. Oh, intriguing. <laughs> it's it's not the, the best, one of the most – one of the most fun punters, at least. Right. <laughs> I mean, field position matters. You know, if you're going to flip, if the Renegades are going to flip the field all day, you know, it's going to limit what the other teams can do out of their offensive playbooks. For you know, sure. He makes, a, he makes a good point, right? Because we're all we're all smashing the unders when the season starts, right? We learned that lesson with the USFL that <laughs> take the unders yeah, early it on. Usually, <laughs> it's usually a little slower, but the thing is, you know, and even when we look at it historically, you know, looking at it across the entirety, the average scoring points per game is 20 and a half points per game. You know, the USFL, the AAF was actually had the lowest points per game average at 20. The USFL across all the teams averaged 20 and a half. The XFL too, 20 and a half. But, you know, there are some low, low lows in there with the USFL, with the Pittsburgh Maulers, right. 14 and a half. The Tampa Bay Bandits, 16.2. It was just yeah. that there was that huge divide in the USFL where there were clearly the top teams and then there were the Bandits and the Maulers that were Which just like, atrocious. I still, I still can't believe the Bandits were as bad as they were. <laughs> I was so ready I mean, for them. This is, this is the thing that we kind of talked about. We talked about yesterday. Is there a track record for NFL players to have success? I think there's a right. clear track record that NFL coaches do not have success. The guys we see Fair be point. successful are guys who are hungry and college coaches who understand college, how to yeah. coach a scheme really well. You know, you look at the generals, Bart Andrus, career spring football CFL coach, 
did well with that team. You know, in the USFL, the Birmingham Stallions, you know, Chip or Holtz did a great job there. Skip Holtz did a great job with that team. You know, Stallions make another great point too. The, um, I know we've been harping on like the Slaughter Canella connection. I know this is a little different. This is head coach and quarterback connection, but the Holtz and uh, Jamar Smith, right? Like they had a lot of familiarity with each other and that, I mean, they, they won the whole thing, right? Like nobody going into the, if I remember correctly, we were all doing our, our fantasy drafts for the USFL. I don't think any of us were standing on the table for Jamar Smith who ended up having a pretty nice year and winning the whole thing. Right. So um, that's just, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just, you were reiterating that point that we made that like, we only have so much to go on at this point. And if you can find familiarity, especially early on um, it's, it's, it's notable clearly. I mean, that carried them to, I think, but they were nine and one, right? Like they lost like one game the whole season. Yeah. Um, So that pretty incredible, but the college coach thing, I think is a really good point that you made. I hadn't considered that. So there actually might be a better correlation there than even NFL experience because it is a different beast. Um, it might also, I don't know if this plays into it at all, but like I, I, J Mark had mentioned that, like, you know, just being a great player doesn't translate into being a great coach. Um, and it's, I, it almost makes me wonder sometimes, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm stealing this from somebody, but really great, great players. Sometimes things come really easy to them. Um, so they might not be really good at teaching what they did. <laughs> like, I don't know what, how much stock to put in that. Somebody mentioned something to that, uh, effect once. And that really stuck with me that I was like, well, it almost makes you wonder that like when somebody's so naturally good at something, uh, maybe they haven't had to think about the small things that they're now trying to teach to their players. Right. So it just makes you wonder, um, not to dominate the airwaves here, but, uh, I, I was, since we're kind of doing this whole like live research thing. I was flipping through here and I, and I, I'm going to check with J Mark since he's more up to date on who's still on rosters, but is, is freedom. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher his name. Freedom. Uh, a coon Maladin still on the battle Hawks as well, or. Yeah. Yep. I didn't realize that. So I, I think I might be with Adam here because he's, I mean, behind Beasley, he's one of the better edge rushers in the league. I, I had, it just didn't occur to me that uh, he was also on the, on the battle Hogs roster and he played well for the stars last year, which I'm sure J Mark can tell us all about being a stars fan himself. Um, I, I just, I, I, I remember writing articles about the defensive players to look for going to the USFL. And he kept popping up as somebody that everybody was like, keep an eye out for Akun Malad. And he's, you know, bounced around, had cup of coffees, uh, cups of coffee with different NFL uh, practice squads. He's a good as edge rusher. And it, and it kind of showed last year for the stars. I mean, he, he recorded 23 combined tackles, four tackles for loss and three sacks. So um, the battle Hawks aren't doing too bad uh, as far as their, their very own number one edge rusher either. So um, I, I look for him to challenge Vic Beasley probably uh, for kind of the sacks leader in the league. That's, that's pretty nice. Yeah. And I think part of a good defense also comes up. What's the offense doing? If the offense is really controlling the game and you put that pressure there, um, this is a, you know, that's just a thing where I think also, if you're not getting one of those top tier deep, I mean, I think we're in agreement. It's, the Renegades and the Vipers, or no, the Battlehawks were a top. Yeah, team. I would say I got Renegades, Battlehawks, Vipers as one, two, three, probably. Yeah. But I think I think the Renegades and the Battlehawks are clearly our top two. Like those are the defenses where you're like, yeah. I don't know. There's a twinkle in J Mark's eye that he might disagree with us. I'm unsure though. Let, let's hear well, it, Justin. What you got? This is the time. Vipers man. are Vipers are tenth of everything for me. <laughs> um, no, my my. Top defense is Battlehawks. My second is the Defenders. And you want to talk about okay. guys with the USFL experience, Davin Bellamy, 
um, for the Breakers last year. He's on that defensive line as a really good edge rusher. And Reggie Northrup, who also played very well in the USFL, coming over as their linebacker. Um, the defenders are a team that I think is going to do exactly what their name says. They're going to defend. They're going to be a defensive team. Um, yeah, how could we not choose the defenders as the number one defense? What were we thinking? Right. And um, we're forgetting one key thing. Do you know who the defenders' defensive coordinator is? Remind At one me. point, I did, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Morse, he was the head coach of my team and the defensive coordinator of your team. He put oh, a bounty no. out on somebody. Mike, yep. Mike Patine? No, Mike even Patton? better. He's going to oh, put Greg a Williams. bounty out. Yeah, Greg, Greg Williams going to put oh a bounty out. Have we been told if bounties on players is illegal in the XFL? This is a key question. Does that seem to serve Greg Williams? I mean, if they're allowed to smoke up well. whatever drug they want, they might as well be putting bounties on each other. Too. I mean, this is Greg the XFL, Williams right? Consistently I... has good defenses, and he is known for making life hell on young quarterbacks. You know, outside of the cover zero blitz on Derek Carr to end his Jets that career. That just popped up on my timeline the other day, too. Like, that just will haunt me forever. Uh, other that... than that, he, his blitzes are usually very well-timed, and he usually gets – his defenses get after the quarterback with good regularity. They do. They, they you do. know, that could be big for the defenders, but I, I still – He's also an old, complacent NFL coach. I don't know that I'm all aboard the Greg Williams train just because he's he's clearly on his last legs. But again, we saw Jerry Glanville come into the XFL and in the second half of the season and in the, over the last three games, the Vipers barely allowed a fucking touchdown because Jerry Glanville was just dialing up the grits blitz down there in Tampa. Here's Here's the deal with the defenders. Um, Tom was going to turn the ball over a lot, so they're going to bench him, and they're going to have Derek. <laughs> they're going to have Derek King in there, who runs very well. They're going to run the ball with Abram Smith, Reichwell, Armstrong, Puka Williams, Artemis Pierce. They're going to be this ground and pound team that's strong at running and strong at defense. Um, that's kind of, I mean, that's exactly how I see it playing out for them, and why I have them in my number two plus. I'm a big fan of Davin Bellamy, uh, originally out of Georgia. He was beast there. I'm surprised he didn't get more NFL time. And then Reggie Northrup showed that he can be disruptive, not only just stopping the run and rushing the quarterback, but dropping back and um, covering tight ends, covering kind of in that zone there as well, and uh, breaking passes up. He had a good career at Florida State too. So those are both guys that really jumped out at me on this roster for the defense that they're going to kind of build behind. What did Jordan Tayamo ever do to you, Justin? I don't know what <laughs> this vendetta is. It was just the overhype last year. It was all that overhype. I, well, and I bought I, and into I it. Think, so. I, don't know, I think he just got let down by his receiving core. They just had such a bad receiving core in Tampa. I mean, I think that's did Todd Haley's that. offense really inspire you either? I mean, no, I some... mean, I think he got let down by situation more than he did. Like, I, I at a certain point, he needs some I was help. so duped. You know, he it, had it's very Lewis possible. went out. The bet the reason he was successful with the Battle Hawks was they ran the ball. He only needed to pick his shots, and they went on and they got big guys who would win who could go up and get the ball. And, and so, and just thinking about being good at what you're at, you know, teams like the Brahmas, where I'm worried about their offense. I, I, I think I gotta take the Battle Hawks out of my top two just because I'm so worried about that offense. Like and at a certain point, even if your defense is good, they got to get off the field. And if they can't they get do. off the field, they're screwed. 
So Wait, I'm really, yeah. I'm starting. So are you worried about in that regard? I'm worried about the Brahmas and the Battlehawks, if I'm being honest. Why do you worry you, about the Battlehawks? Just because I, of Anthony Beck? I mean, AJ. Yeah, he, the offense just doesn't inspire me. Maybe AJ really? and Aaron gets them together. Oh, but man. I'm looking at right. this. We know, disagree maybe, there, but that's okay. Maybe they're the sick. Maybe they're in the bottom three for me, but I think the Guardians are pretty firmly in the bottom there. I don't know how I feel about Tony Carter. The Guardians, I don't know what to make of them. And I just think that that's like, I, well, they don't inspire a lot of confidence on either side of the ball, unfortunately. I hate to say that. But, uh, you know, since we're a live research pod and my, in my limited, uh, you know, research earlier today, it seemed like most of the community agrees with us that uh, Orlando, if we're if we're power ranking now, finds themselves near the bottom. So that's it seems like we're not alone in that regard. Um, one team I don't think we've talked about, and I know we're probably getting short on time here, but I know we just had this long discussion about like, does um, NFL experience and NFL success translate and, and people who are good coaching at one level, does that translate? What do we make of Houston, right? They're being led by Wade Phillips, who's had some of the better defenses we've seen in the NFL. You can't, I know you kind of poo-pooed my Bob Stoops is a good defensive head coach. I'm not sure you can poo-poo Wade Phillips is a good defensive I would head never coach. Too. I would never poo-poo the numbers defense in Wade Phillips. <laughs> That's there we go. All right. Wade Phillips is my boy. All right. The I Bill figured so. him wrong. See, this is how you make the podcast go well. You talk about the people that Adam has a soft spot for, and then he gets yeah, really excited. <laughs> no, but I mean, what was it? The 2015, 20, I forget which Denver defense that was that he led. That was just absolutely insane with Von Miller um, and DeMarcus Ware before he retired. I mean, he's shown an ability to take a unit that was pretty good already, but I don't think they were elite until he took over as D coordinator. I can't remember exactly how that went down, but I'm, I mean, that's one of the last – defenses that I remember essentially being ridden to a Super Bowl victory, right? I mean, they carried, I mean, Peyton Manning's great. He wasn't then, right? Like they, he, they carried the corpse of Peyton Manning to a Super Bowl. Let's be honest. Like we're calling careful, it what it is. Careful. I just got yelled at the wife uh, on my last pod for saying bad things about Peyton Manning in his last year. So be careful. Is she a, is she a Denver I mean, fan? Houston, no. Houston also, when you look at it, Houston has Brian Stewart, who's a veteran defensive coordinator. He's bet he's got NFL experience. He's only 58. I know I say only 58, but Wade Phillips is, no. you know, north of 70. So he's, he's gonna bring he's been around. Right. And then they've got Bill Johnson, who was around who was the Birmingham Stallions defensive line coach, who's a little older, but they have some guys, they have some young talent, like a guy I'm really excited about. I love Tavante Beckett. You know, I got to know Tavante during his time in Major League Foot, very short time in Major League Football camp, you know, but he was an energetic. Uh, I mean, it's not technically dead. It's just, you know, most, <laughs> okay, well, to quote the Princess Bride, it's just mostly dead. <laughs> so, um, um, but Tavante's a good, he's a great, he's slightly undersized because he's only 5'11", but he's great in a ranging linebacker role. And he could, you know, he's a guy. Honestly, in IDP, I'm probably going to, you know, draft Tavante early just because he's my guy. Well, Seems like they speaking have some... of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, speaking of IDP, the Roughnecks have my number one ranked player. Um, I, I joined the IDP guys and really dove into that world on their pod and ranked these guys. Diego Fago, uh, the linebacker out of Navy, is a true sideline to sideline backer. He's very young. He just entered the NFL draft this year. I was surprised to see him go undrafted, stuck around with the Ravens for a little bit, got cut. Um, I think this is a guy who is going to really make a impact at this level of football. 
He's he's fast. He's instinctual, and he's he's my top rated defensive player in the league. I think he's going to rank uh, run up a bunch of tackles, force some turnovers. I just see him performing very well in this defense. And some high praise coming from the spring football insider himself. His number one. I'm a, I'm a huge Diego player. fan. Yeah, I'm a huge Diego fan. I, I I think he should have had a longer opportunity in the no fun league, but I'm excited to get to see him play again. Yeah, no I, I mean, so it, it's tough. It's tough gauging these defenses. It's tough gauging all these players, but we kind of went through it, you know, so just let's sum it up. Matt, who's defense that you're really in on and a defense you're just strict, a defense that you're starting everybody start everybody who's playing this defense every week i like the renegades um i think they're my i i guess i'm officially a renegades fan i guess that's the conversion i've made uh on these past two podcasts because i like them on both sides of the ball um so they're my i'm taking as a number one defense right now being led by donald Payne. i just think that's a really solid foundation uh, the one that I'm starting everyone against is probably the Guardians. I don't, I just, I'm not inspired by anything on that team. Um, regardless, I mean, I, I mean, I know the players on the defensive side of the ball is, is one discussion, but we just had this, you went on this whole tear about football being a complimentary game. And if we're worried about the defense not being getting like not being able to get off the field, are you inspired by any of the quarterbacks in Orlando? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well, I know Marcus, but <laughs> they're one of the teams that have a lot of question marks. I mean, regardless of our opinions of the players, right? Like we don't know of the three quarterbacks who's taking the most snaps. And I just have, right. I'm having Michigan Panthers PTSD here, right? <laughs> like I just, I don't, I, I just don't foresee that being a stable quarterback room. And I, I just, I feel like that defense is going to be on the field a lot and exhausted and it's going to create more opportunities for those offensive players that are going to be playing against them that we're going to happily start in fantasy. So that's where I'm at at this point. Um, so my team top defense is the battle Hawks. Like I said, I think they're stacked. I think they're going to be the best at all levels of the defense and now is when I shock y'all and say that I'm I'm fading the Vipers I for cutting Brian Scott. No, also for cutting <laughs> who I who I thought was their best cornerback in Jamison Houston. Um, Jamison Houston did very well last year in, in the USFL, and I thought that uh, when they drafted him, I thought, okay, now they're putting the team together, and he got cut. Um, and that's probably performance based, I'm sure, but maybe Rod Woodson doesn't know what he's doing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fade the Vipers off off the start here. Yeah, and for me, I just gotta go with the Houston Roughnecks. I think Wade Phillips is just gonna create, talk yourself into it. I did. I think Wade Phillips is just gonna create a lot of problems there for young quarterbacks who aren't seeing as much, um, aren't aren't used to seeing as many ex- exotic looks. The three four that Wade Phillips runs is going to bring some pressure from some interesting spots and really provide for opportunities to go sideline to sideline. And the team that I'm worried about is it's just the Brahmas. Like I love Heinz Ward, but I just look at that team. I look at that coaching staff and they just feel like they're not ready. Something and I'm getting, I'm getting major Pittsburgh Maltlers vibes from them. And also <laughs> if they're the- from the battle Hawks, but the battle Hawks defensive staff might save them. So according to this podcast, the Brahmas are the USFL's Pittsburgh Maulers, 
And the Guardians are the Michigan Panthers. So you heard it here first. So long (laughs) as nobody is the Legends, we're fine. (laughs) Fun fact, lowest points per game team in the modern spring football era, Atlanta Legends, 11 points per game. Ouch. 11. That's New York Jets numbers. You know, I was going to make a joke myself, but you just had to come in and stick me with it. But, yes, that does sound like watching the Jets offense for the past. Uh, The Legends scored seven touchdowns in eight games. Yikes. That's impressively bad. I mean, the Jets didn't have a single quarterback throw more than ten touchdowns, so here we are. For fun bonus trivia, can anyone name the highest points per game team in the modern spring football era? Highest points per game? Um... It's not the iron, right? <laughs> no. That would just be incredible if it was. I just had to ask. <laughs> I don't. I'm going the breakers just because. Nope. Breakers don't even make the top half of the rankings. <laughs> 19 and a half points a game for the breakers. Hmm. Well, how many points per game is the is the top? 31.6. Had to be somebody in the first XFL because that seems like a small sample size. You're overthinking overthinking this answer, guys. I am. It's um, is it? Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this. Philip Walker, right? Yeah. Is it the is it the Roughnecks from Twenty? Yeah, it was the Roughnecks. Oh God. Okay, I was like, I'm gonna make myself look so silly. Okay, what do I win? (laughs) Uh, You win a high five. Second was the Orlando Apollos with twenty nine and a half. Third, Philadelphia Stars of the USFL, 26.2. Fourth, the LA Wildcats of the XFL, 25.8. And rounding out the top five, Birmingham Stallions, 23.4. And on that little bit of spring football trivia, Matt, tell us what we got cooking this weekend. What do we got cooking this weekend? Or coming up in XFL land for you. XFL land. Well, Adam and I are going to try to finish uh, this slow draft where I got Slaughter but not Canella. So I'm going to be scrambling to figure out my uh, plan B as far as tight end goes. Um, we, we still got our 2023 fantasy guide um, r- raring and ready to go for everybody to read. It's still pinned to my Twitter profile that you can find it at mattmars 12 um hopefully we'll have another podcast coming to you shortly um i'm not sure what we're gonna touch on maybe how some of our drafts have gone uh maybe doing a mock draft that would be fun uh maybe we can get spring football hype man himself rod in here uh and get and get some uh, mock draft action going that was fun last year for the usfl so i'd love to do that if you boys were willing um but j mark what about you yeah i mean we got a bunch of content sgp coming out of course um we got some sleepers and stacks to talk about we got the uh, week one flow chart all this stuff is coming to fruition in a week and a half we could talk some daily fantasy once it's we haven't gotten any uh we haven't gotten any like definite that daily fantasy is happening for the xfl yet have we i think i think DraftKings is going to have some stuff so well then i think we should have a daily fantasy episode well we can certainly see what we got folks we're glad (laughs) you joined us hopefully your xfl drafts go well this weekend that's matt morris that's justin mark and i'm adam pelletier and we will see you next time Nova Productions.